And again, I'm Pastor Dave Mitchell, and uh, we welcome you to Calvary Church on this uh, special Sunday. It's been a special month, actually, for the whole month of September. The emphasis is upon discipleship because we know that Jesus' last great command to us was to go into all the world and to make disciples. And so we want to be all over that in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and to fulfill the commission that is given to all of us who are his followers. So with that in mind, this morning is a little bit different, as you might have remembered if you were with us last Sunday. Conference style, where we have uh, four speakers, shorter talks that they give, an opportunity for us to respond. So let's get to it. We're excited for this morning. This morning we have Bob Shank speaking first up. He is the leadoff batter, if you will, to really set the pace for us. We appreciate Bob. Bob and his wife Sherry are members here at Calvary Church. They've been leaders here at Calvary Church, and uh, I personally appreciate their wisdom, their encouragement, their counsel as we serve together here, and so they are part of us, one of us. Beyond that, though, Bob has had past experience in the pastorate, and so he is well-seasoned in what it means to be part of a congregation and leadership roles. And uh, God then has transitioned him to this huge ministry that is really international in its uh, flavor, the Master's Program. It's an opportunity in uh, many ways in your sort of second half, although there are many young men and women in this as well, to challenge men and women to do kingdom work. Whatever your occupation, career, profession happens to be, it comes alongside and equips you from success to significance in having impact for God's kingdom. That's the master's program, and I'll throw in a little uh, little tip for you. On October the 16th, right down in Newport Beach, there's going to be an introductory session. If you'd like to find out what that's all about, that's the place to go. Hour and a half breakfast and a free session. I've been through it. A number of our staff have been through it, and that's one of the great ways that disciples are occurring because they learn what it means to do kingdom work for Jesus Christ. So Bob's going to come up here in just a moment and share with us what God has put on his heart to help us to be multipliers. And before Bob comes up, we want you to hear from one who has been impacted by Bob Shank's ministry. His name is Noah, and so here's a little bit of Noah's story. My name is Noah, and for the last 28 years, I've been uh, growing my company. I started when I was uh, 16 years old, going door to door. 16 was also a big year for me because that's when Bob Shank, my mentor, came into my life. Uh, I was in a really uh, big-time crossroads in my life where not only did I have to figure out who I was going to be as a man, I wanted to know what I was going to do, I wanted to know how I was going to do it, and who I was going to do it with. Uh, my identity got really refined when I started having mentors come into my life. And for me, that one of them was Bob Shank, a uh, big-time role in my life, and him pouring into me and taking the time to be able to do that. But I also sought him out, hunted him down, <laughs> uh, buying lunches, buying coffee, and just, um, you know, we live by a saying Bob and I talk about a lot, which is, if you want to go quick in life, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, go together. And, and for me... Life together is how it's meant to be. If you notice, even Christ, when he was looking back and sending people out, he'd send them in, out in twos. You look at Paul, you look at Timothy, you look, you look at how these men traveled together, and that's pretty much how my life was. It saved my life. This is about, hey, I'm not looking at spending a couple months with you. I'm looking at doing life with you. I'm looking at growing through the seasons of my life. Bob being there as I grew the company, Bob being there as we dealt with our special needs of our family, as I um, grew the company, 
nothing is better than knowing that, man, I have one of those moments in life. What do I do? I can run to my mentors to get that pouring in and that feedback. So that's been huge for me. Um, mentorship, I think, is, is paramount. It'll save your life because you, your life isn't about you. Uh, Christ's life wasn't about himself. It was about his Father's will, and he was looking to empower others and come underneath others and put wind in their sails. And I, that's been a great reminder for me because I, I can wholeheartedly tell you, had it not been for Bob and others that have poured into me, I would have had a life completely ran on self-will, completely been selfish and driven by ego. And I got there for a while and thankfully um, was saved, but also had people that would speak truth into life. It will save you time. It will save you money. It'll save you heartache. Uh, why, why wouldn't I want to go capitalize on people that have had wisdom for years that are way down the line, longer than I am? I'm saying that Bob's like mega old. But I'm just saying he's been through, he's seen it, and he's been exposed to so many people in his, um, in his black book of, in, of influence, the people that he knows. Why would I not want to like sponge off of that? Those that want to go far do it with somebody else. I'd be willing to bet that you're sitting there on the fence and you've ran life alone up to this point. Or you've kind of dabbled with being a little, you know, you've disclosed a little bit of yourself. You've been a little bit transparent at a coffee meeting or whatever. But if you truly want to see the benefits of running a life not on self-will, open yourself and be vulnerable to some really great people. Listen, trust is the issue. You have to go over that chasm of, yeah, I might get hurt, but there's no way I'm going to grow and I will remain in this spot if I do not act and take the risk of growing and, and, and growing up in life with somebody and running life with others. Um, if you like what you're getting in life, keep doing exactly what you're doing. If you want to grow in wisdom and have an impact for the Lord, being the church, nothing is better than when you can come back to your sphere of influence and your hardcore tribe of leaders that you can walk life with that will be 100% honest with you. Here's your potential blind spots. Here's the cycle that we see with your anger or whatever. They can see things that you can't see. They're almost like a barometer for how the enemy tries to infiltrate in on your life. If I didn't have those kind of people, I don't know where I'd be. I'd be lost. Um, life would be really alone. You wouldn't have anybody to celebrate with. You don't have anybody to help go along with you through the hard times and the valleys. So not only is it just for the tough spot, it's for the victories. It's for the, the successes, the things that we experience together to celebrate together. You get to do life together. That's what Christ was about. I think one of the most interesting takeaways, if you're going to be a mentor, they end up teaching you. Your students end up teaching yourself. They're a reminder of where I was, where I was going. You know, it's kind of a measuring stick. So although you're a measuring stick for them, they're a measuring stick for you. And, you know, it's, it's no surprise that God set it up that way. It's pretty profound. Noah. Good morning. I walked in the door of what then was our, our sanctuary back 46 years ago. We now call it Samsvig Chapel. I walked in that door 46 years ago, halfway through high school, alone, wasn't here as part of a family. I, I landed in the high school department under the oversight of Bill and Lois Rowley. I walked into Samsvig Chapel when Samsvig was at the front of the chapel. And Calvary Church became my home. I was in my young 20s when a man named Lauren Grissett sought me out. Lauren had gone to uh, Santa High School, same class as my mother. 
But for whatever reason, I got on Lauren's short list, and uh, he wouldn't leave me alone. And over the course of the next years of my life, Lauren Grissett poured his life into mine. It was not too long after Lauren's first encounter, he had pulled me into CBMC, the Christian Businessmen's Committees. That's where Lauren did life apart from Calvary Church. Lauren sold life insurance. I never bought anything from him. But he never left my life. He was my campaign manager when he decided I should be the chairman of the CBMC group in Santa Ana. He was the uh, lobbyist that pushed me into the chairmanship of CBMC for Orange County. It was Lauren's fingerprints that were on my nomination for the elder board at Calvary Church when I was 28. Lauren was the one who uh, sucked me into his wake on the trustee board at Biola University. He's the one who saved a seat next to him at the executive committee for the Billy Graham crusade here in Anaheim in 1985. Most everything that I learned in life about being a Christian man who had a platform for the kingdom in the marketplace, I learned from Lauren Grisette. And I have to tell you this morning that um, the privilege I've had for the last 20 years to do with about 2,000 men what Lauren did with me has been just the evidence of the opportunity that's found when you multiply. You maximize your life by multiplying your disciples. Boy, it's a tragedy if you've been part of this month's emphasis and hear it as a theoretical or a theological and not a practical message. It is all of those things, but it has to become personal or we've just wasted a month. The God of heaven is about multiplying, not adding or closing the doors and just sticking with what he's got. To Adam and Eve, he said, multiply. To Noah and his family, he said, multiply. To the uh, apostles on the Mount of Olives, he said, multiply. And friends, if what you hear this month is simply that we need to choose up people in the existing congregation to just pass along some Bible study with. You've missed it. This is about recognizing that we first get strong and then we get productive. And that productivity results in new people following Jesus. Because that's why we're here. In fact, it's the only reason we're here. And the only way to maximize our lives is to multiply disciples. How is that multiplier effect triggered? You have to believe uh, with me that everything that is right and true is sourced in truth, and the truth is the Word of God. And John 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The model is Jesus. Paul recognized that, and if he had a message to share, it was simply this, the boldness but the clarity that he exhibits in 1 Corinthians 11 when he writes, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I want to tell you that we've had a less than genuine notion that's flown around our Christian community over the last 20 years or so. 
is people who get up and say, you know, don't follow me. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Friends, we're all sinners saved by grace. But the truth of the matter is, when we stepped out of that status and definition and into the definition that is sons and daughters of the Most High God and replicators of the life that Jesus modeled, we are called to be so bold but so honest as to say, my life is now replicable in, to the degree that I'm replicating the life of Christ. And Paul boldly but honestly was able to say with no arrogance and no pride, but with the responsibility of the growing follower of Jesus that you can watch my life and from it discern the life of the Lord Jesus. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that leads to the clarity that this multiplier effect is demonstrated in you. It's demonstrated in you. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. You see, this isn't just a Bible study. This isn't just an outline. It's a multimedia affair where you not only hear but see the practice of all that we proclaim. You see, when it's demonstrated in us, people who don't know Jesus come to know him from watching us. I, uh, <clears throat> I've been really pleased this morning to run into a whole bunch of folks who said, Wow, did you hear Shannon last week? Well, no, I was on an airplane flying east, but I heard it was kind of fun. And the truth of the matter is, friends, that um, I, I, with great, um, dare I say, pride, I get to say I'm the father of the director of women's ministries at Calvary Church in Santa Ana. She left the use of my last name 19 years ago when she got married. That's okay. But um, the, the truth is that I delight when someone says, I see some of you in her. They see more Sherry in her than they see me, but that's okay. Here, here's the point. You can get to know me by getting to know my daughter. We may have never shaken hands before, but something of me you're meeting in her. You get to know something of me from meeting Noah. My tats are a little higher than his, but... But Noah is a young man into whom I've deposited part of my life. And friends, you get to know people even before you meet them through the people into whose life they've made deposits. And the amazing thing about this multiplier effect is that it becomes demonstrated in us long before people know Jesus. They know him through you. Here, here's the next step. It's powered by grace. This is what protects us from pride and arrogance. You see, Paul wrote to young Timothy, his protege, left behind in Ephesus to pastor the church planted by Paul. Paul reminds him, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's a model, certainly, in Paul's life, but the power to live this life is not transferred by, from person to person it's instilled by the presence of the 
Holy Spirit of God and the grace that is only manifested and made available through the Son of God carried by the Spirit of God becomes our compelling force. You know, we have to recognize this morning that there's a world of difference between disciples and groupies. And tragically, our culture is defined by groupies, people that flock to, swarm to, the people that they hold in high regard. And we've instilled some of that in some parts of our Christian experience in our generation. And if you don't believe that, watch the migration. You know, the Nature Channel covers the migration of large herds of wild animals in Africa or in Alaska. And we watch it with wonder as these animals make these seasonal migrations. Well, they could take the same satellite view and put it over mega churches in America today because as pastors come and go, the migration of the herd goes with it. Thank God that we are not migratory animals, but we are thoughtful disciples and too frequently populating the buildings and complicating the parking are groupies who want to say that they go to and they insert the name of the pastor as the name of the church. Friends, discipleship removes us from that cultic following of individuals and recognizes that it's a deeply spiritual but very real following of the Lord Jesus. Grateful for our leaders, but recognizing that the power to live this life and the intensity of our experience is founded in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when we get that, it becomes transferred by eligibility. Who's eligible to participate? Paul wrote to that same young man into whose life he'd made the deposit. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, the classic discipleship verse. The things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. There are three generations that Paul is citing here. The first is none other than himself. The things that you have heard from me the credible replication of the original is the Apostle Paul. He's not the original, but he's the credible replication. Paul's already recognized that if he said anything of substance or content or value, it's come from the Lord Jesus. Follow my example as I follow his example. But Paul just owned the fact that he becomes the first generation humanly. Friends, so many times we think, well, I can't disciple someone because no one discipled me. Not true. That's always an opportunity to be the first in a string, the progenitor of a family, spiritual downline that begins in you. It is no credible escape to say, if I have not been discipled, I cannot disciple. Paul said, I was discipled by Jesus So get over it. You've got access to the same Jesus that he did. That's Gen 1. The second generation becomes an accurate purveyor of that replication, and that's young Timothy. Was Timothy a knockoff of Paul? Absolutely not. Differently gifted, differently wired, differently practiced in terms of their role, but there was something of essence at the core that was passed along, and Timothy became a credible purveyor because of what Paul had deposited in him. And then the last in these strings of eligibility, 
are the disciples whom Paul would never know by name who would become the recipients of Timothy's ministry in their lives and trust to faithful men who will teach others also. Friends, you have to know that this was embedded in the plan that the Lord Jesus had for ministry from the beginning when he made the profound statement of his kingdom and its plans in the Sermon on the Mount. He left this deposit for us to consider this morning, the end of September 2014. He said, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Without any confusion, the clarity of two different approaches to this multi-generational transfer of truth that Jesus came to initiate. He said, you can participate or you can choose not to. And if you choose not to participate, you'll still be in my kingdom, but you will be the least in my kingdom. Your choice, your decision, your action to participate in this grand enterprise of making disciples is a distinction that will qualify you for a designation in eternity that at the time you arrive will be the greatest achievement in the eternity of your future. And that is to become great in the kingdom of heaven. How do you get there? There is no one who can give us the insight answer to that question but the Lord Jesus. And he said, this is the secret. You follow these commandments. And then teach them to others. This is not about a didactic transfer of theology. It's about a practical transfer of life. Find the way to find the people who are the recipients of what God has entrusted to you. And pass it along. Lauren Grissett pulled me into the Christian businessmen's environment here in Santa Ana. Dozens of the leaders of that movement were sourced in the family of Calvary Church. We were a very simple little operation. We were just about the business of seeing peers and competitors and customers and employees in our business spheres come into the context of a neutral environment over a mealtime during the week and hear the gospel and receive Jesus and then be followed up in discipleship. I saw scores of men involved in that process and we saw the value of discipleship and my wife and I became involved with couples through that and the tools that we were using in CBFC had been developed by the navigators and so we got a hold of the navigators Colossians 2-7 discipleship series and began discipling couples in our home. Back then, Calvary Church was known for three things principally, great Bible teaching in the service and in the adult Sunday schools, global missions and great children's programs. Those, those were the unique identity of Calvary Church 40 years ago. We had such a great experience with the discipling that we and others were doing in our homes that we brought that Colossians 2-7 experience to Calvary Church with permission and in the early 70s. We were a church of about a 1,000 adults in the two services in the late 70s. And within about a year, we had hundreds of men and women become involved in discipleship Why? Because teaching the practices, how to share your faith, how to be involved in a half day of prayer, 
how to capture your story in meaningful ways, how to memorize scripture, things that were the great next step in the great teaching that we had in all of the environments that were Calvary Church. And God used those emphases on discipleship in the late 70s to prepare Calvary Church for explosive growth in the next decade. And when we looked at the people who were foundational to that growth, you know what we discovered? They were people who had been discipled through a very intentional emphasis on that subject. Would you take a look on page 33 and ask yourself the question this morning, what is God doing in you with regard to this emphasis on discipleship? The next seven minutes, the countdown clock will be on the screen And we want you to just take that time to huddle with two or three folks in your circle. You could write some thoughts down and then share in that huddle, or you can get the huddle together and think together about those questions about what God's cultivating in you about this subject. So right now, countdown clock, page 33, think the questions through in conversation with some people around you.